Good morning. How are how how is everyone? Good, good. Thank you. I just love you. I need that, y'all. So this morning, um, I'm going to be wrapping up the Parables of Jesus series. And it's been an awesome series because we get to see Jesus telling us through relatable stories. And some of the stories aren't um, meant for everyone to, to hear, only the people that choose to believe, you know, his word and, and who he is, who've embraced who he is, right? So we've heard about the sower, the mustard seed, the hidden treasure, pearl of the great price, um, the heart of a person, and the two sons. And this morning, we're going to be talking about the budding uh, fig tree. So over the, the past few parables, Jesus has come and he's established his kingdom, right? So his kingdom is here. And we see what it's like for followers, people who choose to follow him through the other parables, um, see like what, what, what the heart of a believer looks like, what it looks like to sow and, and, and receive from the kingdom, right? So I'm going to read from the NIV version, and it says in Matthew 24, verse 29, he told them this parable, Look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that the kingdom of God is near. In 32 it says, Truly I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will remain, will never pass away. And that's in Luke um, 21, 29 through 33. And I'm going to read the message version. Take a lesson from the fig tree. From the moment you notice its buds form, the merest hint of green you know summer's just around the corner. So it is with you. When you see all of these things, you'll know he's at the door. Don't take this lightly. I'm not saying this for some future generation, but all of you. This age continues until all these things take place. Sky and earth will wear out. My words won't wear out. So let us pray before we get into the word. Dear Lord, we thank you for this time together in your presence. We thank you for the word coming forth, Lord God. Open the ears, Lord, open our ears. Let people hear beyond my voice, Lord God. Let us all hear from your spirit. What your words mean. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So in this time, 
the Jews were accustomed to fig trees. Um, they were very abundant during that time. And so it, it was a very, Jesus took a very simple um, imagery to explain what the coming of his return, the kingdom was already established, right? And so we, he came that we might have redemption, but now we're waiting for restoration. And I'll get into that a little bit more. So, Jesus was using the imagery of leaves sprouting. And so when in my studies, I found out that the, um, what is it, I asked myself, what does it really mean that a branch is tender? And what I found out is that what makes a branch tender is that the sap in the tree, when the sap in the tree rises out to the branches, that makes it tender. Over the winter time, the branches dry out and the leaves fall off and, you know, um, die. So this was common knowledge in first century Palestine, where the figs were numerous. So the parable's message is actually very simple. A basic analogy of nature was used to make a point. Just as one could easily tell when the summer is near, when a fig tree begins, so believers know when Jerusalem nation is the destruction of Jerusalem is coming, and also when Jesus is returning. So, to provide some background, um, in Matthew, early on, the people were almost demanding to know when Jesus would return. And he kind of didn't answer that question until um, later on. And this is Jesus answering, when will we know what, uh, when he will return? And it says in Luke 21, 31, even so, when you see these things happening, you know that the kingdom of God is near. These things refer to entire disclosure of what Jesus has been talking about in preceding passages of the um, parable in Matthew. Um, it says, deception by false teachers, destruction of wars, destruction by war, sorry, devastation by disasters, deliverance to tribulation, as believers are persecuted, birth pains, the abomination that causes desolation, the need to flee because of impending dangers, and catastrophic chaos of the universe. And so these are the signs that he mentioned that these are all the signs that we'll see before his return. So this is how we'll know. He's basically saying this is how we'll know. Um, 
that his return is coming. So just as the fig tree signifies the beginning of summer, we can, he's given us signs to see when the, um, the return of, of, of him is coming, right? So think about what things you can visualize that give you an idea of what summer is coming. When, how do you know when summer is coming? So this generation, I'm glad I read the message um, because you would think that he was maybe referring to this, the times of the disciples, but he wasn't. He was referring to um, all generations, and he said that this is going to continue. It wasn't just a 40-year. Um, we know that the, the temple was destroyed about approximately 40 years after he said this, but he also again, was not just talking about the destruction of the temple. He was talking also about his return. So he was answering two questions, and the disciples didn't really understand that they were asking two questions. And so he was really, basically, it was two separate things that they were really asking about. And so even though the destruction of the temple happened during their time, he's also talking about the, the signs will continue through even through our generation, Right. Um, until the um, until his return. So, <clears throat> when Jesus announces in verse thirty-five, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. So this can be startling, if you if you think about it. Um, to anyone who hears it, even to today, like, you know, heaven and earth will pass away. And it could actually sound pretty scary, right? But the statement is a direct reflecting of an Old Testament language about the word of God written by Isaiah, the prophet. And he says, the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of God stands forever. And that's Isaiah 40. Um, in verse 8. And the reason that God's word stands forever, of course, is because God himself endures forever. And we can see that in Psalm 102, 24 through 27. And so Jesus stressed that fact because he wanted us to understand that indeed his words will come to pass. That's a fact. Everything that he said will come to fact, so to, to fruition. So we can stand on that word, right? And so no matter the terrible things that are happening in our lives, how many changes we see taking place, we can be certain that the word of the Lord is a sure foundation to build our lives on and wait patiently on his return. So when you, when you hear the signs, it does sound a lot like today, right? It sounds like, um, you know, with, with natural disasters, people having to flee. And you might even hear people, you know, um, on, you know, out in the streets yelling, the end is here or, you know, um, the end is near, right? And so the thing of it is nobody knows the hour nor the day. And so we'll get into that. 
So when I was studying this, I was like, well, what does that really mean that heaven and earth will pass away? What does that really look like? Um, and so I found a beautiful picture of what that looks like um, in Revelation. So Revelation 21. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. That will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the older things have passed away. He who was seated at the throne, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for the words, for these words are trustworthy and true. So to me, that's a beautiful picture of the meaning of heaven and earth will pass away. And it kind of relates to the bigger story, right? And the, and the bigger story, um, back in Genesis, in the garden, we were at perfect peace with God, right? And then sin entered into the world, and then there was a separation. Not a total separation from God, but we were no longer in line with God's will. We needed redemption, right? And so Jesus coming and dying on the cross gave us that redemption. And today, we're anticipating his return. And what that return means is restoration back to this new heaven and new earth where we dwell with him, where he is with us, right? It says he was seated on the throne, but now it seems like a place, a beautiful imagery of us all being there together where there's no more death, no more mourning, crying, pain, and for the older things have passed away. And I don't know about you, but for me, that is a beautiful picture of what we're anticipating to come. A lot of us have probably experienced a lot of pain, especially in the last few years, right? A lot of loss. And so this is what we're waiting for. But it doesn't mean that we're, um, it sounds like, you know, Advent, right? So we're, we're back to a season of waiting. But we're patiently waiting for his return, but that doesn't mean we're sitting idly by waiting for his return. So then that begs the question, what do we do while we wait, right? So if we refer to Matthew 24, 36 through 42, 
It says, 36 says, but about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it is in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they said nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field, and one will be taken, and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the hand mill, and one will be taken, and the other left. In verse 42, here's our instruction. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know what your you do not know what day your Lord will come. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at the time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect it. So I was reading somewhere in the um, Bible, it also said, don't be caught like in a spring, a trap, a spring trap. You ever seen um, um, like a nature channel, how people set traps for animals and bears and um, the, the spring can trap clothes suddenly and instantly. You don't have time to move out of the way, right? And so that's what, what Jesus is warning us about. He's like, be ready. Watch, pray, be ready, because nobody knows, not the angels in heaven, not son of man, not Jesus. He doesn't know. Only God knows when the day is coming. Y'all remember when Jesus went into the Garden of Gethsemane, and he went in to pray, but he took three of his disciples with him. And he, sorry, this this is the Holy Spirit, y'all. So... He told them to watch and pray, right, Why? until his return. And then, so he went in, and the second time, the first time he came out, right, they were sleeping. And then he said, he told them to wake up and pray. And then the second time he came back and he told them to wake up and pray. And then the third time he came back, and he, but he came back out with a peace in his heart about the resurrection. He was, you know, he was... He was down, um, you know, thinking about the impending um, resurrection. The, the thing that he had to do, well, not the resurrection, but the, the, um, the crucifixion, right? That, you know, hey, I'm about to be on the cross. You know, is this really your will for me, God? And so, and he, he prayed, and he got a peace about it. But what if the disciples outside stayed alert and prayed. I wonder would they have had a piece about what was about to happen. That's something that just came to me, the Spirit. So what if he's asking us to watch and pray? And how far, what, how far of a peace would we have in our heart if we actually watched and prayed? How many times has God 
woken you up in the middle of the night and said, pray? How many times has he stopped you in the middle of the day to pray? The urging, that small voice, yet powerful voice to pray. That's powerful, right? It says watch and pray and be ready, right? So what does that look like for us on a daily basis? So Jesus instructed in uh, Mark 16 through 15, he says, he said to them, go into the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Well, you might be saying, well, Elena, I'm not a preacher. The beautiful thing about the kingdom is you don't have to be a preacher to share the word of God. You don't have to be a preacher to share your experience with God. That is what's the most powerful message we could probably give people is our own testimony about how Jesus saved us or how, what, you know, how he has healed us in some way. But also by living it, living that life. For everyone who comes in Sunday morning to set up, to greet people, to work the soundboard, to come and hear the word, to lead us in worship, that is, that is living, that is walking out, sharing the gospel, Right? And it doesn't just stop on Sunday. It's, it could be a simple smile. Because that could be the, the thing that saves somebody. To just know a simple smile can tell somebody, wow, I'm still, that somebody loves me, somebody cares, right? And so as long as we're operating with the heart of Christ, and we learned how to, to do that in the last, um, uh, the, the parable about the heart of a person, right? When your heart is in the right place, you can easily walk in that. So every act of kindness, we can show people the love of Christ. In Matthew 22, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is, love your neighbor as yourself. So this is how we do this. This is what we do in this time of waiting for Jesus to come to restore to restore the kingdom, to restore us back to a place of dwelling with God in that beautiful place. So as we move into communion and as we ponder what that looks like for us, what, what watching and praying, being vigilant, being alert, what that looks like for us. Part of that is to be in communion with God, right? So we'll come over 
And he says, take this bread and break it as my body broken for you. And then he says, take this cup and drink from it as a representation of my blood shed for you. And so we have Beth and Danielle over to the to my right, to your left. And they will come and you will tear a piece of bread off and dip it in the cup. And we do have a gluten-free option. We do have someone with the lightsaber to direct you. Come out of your row that way and come around and exit back this way.